Please be seated. It's good to see all of you this Sunday morning, this Thanksgiving week. I hope all of you have somewhere to go and a good place, a warm place that will welcome and receive you. Uh, and if you don't, as was announced, you can go to the Thomases. And uh, they are some of the most gracious hosts and generous people that I know. And so uh, that, that's there. And um, I'm looking forward to this Thanksgiving week. My family's tradition is actually to go out of town. And so I've used my airline miles and I've booked a hotel outside, uh, outside of Houston. <laughs> We're going up to Dallas, which is not very far. But um, for us, it's, it's a good uh, you know, five-day getaway. And uh, we'll have a little vacation. Uh, we'll be back together next Sunday, and next Sunday we're going to start, uh, we're going to change with the new season and start the season of Advent, which is great because I can finally put on the Charlie Brown Christmas album on my Spotify. I can finally start ordering my uh, eggnog lattes, and, and we can start hanging up the lights, and that'll start next Sunday. Um, but for today, we're going to finish this series that we've been through the book of Ephesians, and if you look in the New Testament, there's a little sliver of a book nestled in there, and it's called Ephesians. And if you've never read it before, I encourage you to read it. Ephesians has a lot of good teaching, and today we're going to finish the book of Ephesians with a sermon called Five Ways to Fight a Spiritual Battle. Now, I want to ask you, how many of you have ever gotten into a fight in your life? And you don't have to raise your hand. But just think about that. And how many of you have ever fought a battle that you realized you couldn't win alone? And what we're going to talk about today is a spiritual battle. And I am convinced that everything is connected to the spiritual. That behind everything there is a spiritual battle, whether even if it's a quarrel between a husband and a wife or two kids on a street or you're fighting your job, or you're fighting something, there's a spiritual dimension behind that. And what I'd like to teach today is how to fight in the Spirit. How to fight a battle that's not just about, I can work harder, or I can argue better, or I can just punch through this. No, a spiritual battle is a different kind of fight. And so today we're going to talk about five ways to fight a spiritual battle as I finish the book of Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 is where we're going to start today. And if you look in your Bible, and by the way, if, uh, you know, we're concluding the series today, but you can access this on podcast and read the book of Ephesians and listen to these talks. It will help you to understand what you're reading. And so look at verse 10 of chapter 6. And I'd like to invite you to read together with me a few of these passages. Let's read verse 10. We know we're concluding today. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God. Let's stop right there. And so you hear these words, be strong. And when it comes to being a Christian being a Christian is not easy. It's not easy because, uh, well, back then there was persecution, but today it's really not the easiest way to live. It does involve turning your other cheek, turning your cheek. It does involve being humble. It does involve fighting our baser instincts. And so in order to be a Christian, you have to be strong. 
We have to be strong, not in our own might, but it says in the strength of God's might. And it says, put on the full armor of God. Put on the full armor of God. And when I think of armor, um, I, think of, I think of martial arts because I spend, uh, you know, two days a week, uh, every week watching my son uh, as he gets ready for Taekwondo, which is Korean martial arts, and he puts on this chest plate, this chest protector, then he puts on a groin protector and these arm and these leg things, and he puts on this armor. And so when I think of armor, I think of all these things, this padding, so that if you get hit, <clears throat> it doesn't hurt as much. Unless you have a vulnerability. Let's say my son put on his chest protector but forgot to put on his groin protector. And then in, in a sparring tournament or something, and he gets kicked, and there's a vulnerability it says, put on the full armor of God. Are you missing something in your armor? Are you missing something? Is there a piece of armor that is not on and you are persistently vulnerable in that area? That every time you step into the ring, the demons are saying, he doesn't wear a groin protector, so kick him below the belt. Or he's got a vulnerability. He's always in open stance and he doesn't respond well to, uh, you know, a spin hook kick or something like that. Use that against him again and again and again. What is it in your armor that is vulnerable, that always leaves you, that whenever that temptation comes up or whenever that vulnerability is there, you get knocked out all the time? All the time. Think about it. Think about the vulnerability. It says, put on the full armor of God. It makes sure to cover all of the bases. And so you know you're vulnerable. Don't put on your own armor. Put on God's armor. And that's what it says, put on the armor of God. Put on the armor that God himself wears. And this, I think, it talks about in the Old Testament, in Isaiah 59. It talks about God putting on righteousness like a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. This is God's armor himself. This is not saying God, God's not saying this is your, this is God saying this is my armor. I'm giving you my way of fighting. And I'm giving it to you now to take upon yourself and make it yours. The first way to fight is fight right. Fight in God's way. Put on God's armor. Don't put on the world's armor. Do you know why? Because the world fights dirty. I remember when I was a teenager, when for the first time I learned there is a way to cheat in order to get ahead. There is a way to fight dirty that will help me to advance. And I used that to make myself get ahead. But in the end, you harm yourself. And the more we fight the way the world fights, all the other kids are doing it. All the other people do it. I'm going to do it too to get ahead. But the more we do that, the more we hurt ourselves. We lose our souls. Fight with God's armor and fight right. Don't fight the wrong way. Fight the right way. Stand up for what is righteous, what is good and true. Fight right and use God's armor. Don't use the armor of the world. And it continues in verse 11. Let's read that together. Put on the full armor of God 
so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, powers, against the powers, against world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And so if the first way to fight a spiritual battle is make sure you fight right, the second way to fight a spiritual battle, the second fill in the blank, is fight the right enemy. Fight the right enemy. Now keep this in mind. If we're not going to fight the way God fights, and there is a better way, we call it taking the higher road. We call it uh, turning the other cheek. We call it living and letting others live. And when we fight right, but if we fight the wrong way, if we don't fight right, we immediately lose. Forget about steps two, three, four, and five. If we've already fought the wrong way, if we're not fighting God's way, we're already going to lose. But the second step is to fight the right enemy. Fight the right enemy. It talks about here that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, the powers against the world forces. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is not against Vladimir Putin or Xi Jinping or Donald Trump. Our struggle is not against the United Nations or this government. Our struggle is not against the principal or my student's teacher, my child's teacher, or against my coworker. The struggle is not against the institution or my company or my boss. The struggle is not against flesh and blood. But there is, or there, is, there is an evil behind the evil, is what Paul is saying. When he talks about rulers, powers, world forces, and spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places, he is not talking about people. He's, talking about, he's not talking about bad things or bad people. He's talking about the bad behind the bad He's talking about the rulers behind the rulers, about the powers behind the powers. Whenever you face a conflict, whenever you're facing a conflict in life, there is a spiritual battle behind that. And so if we fight right, the second step is we have to make sure we fight the right enemy. Because once we say, this person is in my way, this person is blocking me. I don't like my boss. I don't like my coworker. My child doesn't like that other child or student. Once we say that person is the enemy, we've already fought the wrong enemy. We're already fighting the wrong person. You know, when I, when I pray the Psalms, I pray through the Psalms frequently. And sometimes in the Psalms, it talks about how, God, you can destroy my enemy. Take my enemy and crush them. And whenever I read that, how do I, what do I, what do you do with that? Do I think about this person that cut me off on the highway and I say, God, crash his car or something like that. But the thing is, in the Old Testament, when the psalmist is saying, crush my enemy, he's talking about the enemies of Israel. The enemies of Israel are the nations, the Assyria, the Babylonians, the Greeks, the Romans that would literally crush Israel. And so when he talks about crushing the enemy, he talks about crush those, 
crush those other countries, those other ethnicities that are harming us. But when we get into the New Testament, in the New Testament, all of a sudden, Paul is talking about a multi-ethnic church where Romans and Greeks can participate. So the enemies are no longer foreigners or other nations. Paul has to redefine enemies in a spiritual sense. Whenever you look at somebody that stands in your way or somebody that blocks you or somebody that harms you, make sure you don't just look at that person, but make sure you're looking at the evil behind the evil. Even if you can go so far as to say that person is evil, make sure you're not just looking at that person. Make sure you're looking at the spiritual battle behind. Because if that person is the evil one and all you want to do is destroy them, or pray fire, or rain down harm, you're already fighting the battle the wrong way. Fight the right way and fight the right enemy. Therefore, Paul says, and we continue in verse 13, therefore take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. And that's an important word there. Stand firm. And he repeats it again in verse 14. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, having put on a breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet, put on your feet with a preparation of the gospel of peace. In other words, put on shoes that are quick, quick to talk about the gospel. Verse 16, in addition to all, taking up the shield of, taking up the shield of faith, with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so you've got all these pieces of armor. And like I said, if I can compare this to uh, the sparring gear that, that I see even my son put on for martial arts, you have the breastplate of righteousness. You have the groin, the groin protector of truth. You have sandals that will make your feet quick into the gospel of peace. This is interesting. It says you have the shield of faith, the shield of faith with which you can extinguish arrows that are on fire. How many of you have ever seen fire arrows in a movie? Like in Lord of the Rings or something, you'll see like, and then there's fi the fire is, dip, is dipped in tar, and then they set it on fire, and then they shoot the arrow. But the thing is, it talks about shields that, that, that extinguish fire. That's kind of an interesting picture. I know shields that will protect you and guard you from, from arrows, but it's almost like the, you know, the, arrow, the arrow hits the ground and there, it's on fire and you're using the shield to extinguish it. What is this talking about? Well, back then, Roman, Roman gladiators, Roman soldiers, they had wet shields. The shields were made of leather, but what they would do is they would purposely, before they went into battle, they would soak it in water. They would soak it in water so that if an enemy shot an arrow that was on fire and it pierced the shield, it would be extinguished. So there's this sense where this analogy of a fiery arrow, you have to have a shield that can extinguish it. It's not enough to just block yourself. You know, if somebody shoots an arrow at you and says, man, you're like this. I don't, this is, you, you're, you're a real, you know, you're a real weenie or something like I'm trying to keep it PG. And you just put up a defense, you know, uh, you put up a shield that says, well, you know, whatever, <laughs> or something like that. But this is talking about 
a shield that can extinguish the fiery darts that are shot at you regularly. In life, fiery arrows will persistently be shot at you. Arrows of negativity, arrows of doubt, arrows of fear, arrows of resentment. Things will get shot and it, you know, and I, you know, it's like when I when I've played video games in, in my in my younger years, you, you're always going for the headshot. That's what they're looking for. It's the headshot. Why? Because this is where we process all of our most negative emotions. And the headshots they're always coming in. Negativity, negativity, aggression, resentment, fear. You have to have a shield that not only blocks the arrows, but that can extinguish those fiery darts that are constantly shot at us. Do you have a shield that can extinguish? And what is the shield made of? What is a shield? What does a shield represent? Faith. Isn't that interesting? That the shield that we hold up to extinguish all the fiery darts of negativity, of of all those bad things, it's faith. It's faith. And sometimes I tell myself, sometimes I, I, I tell others, just have a little bit of faith. Trust. God's got this. It's not in your hands. Have a little bit of faith. So it's a shield of faith. Have a little bit of faith. You'll be okay. Fight right. God's got this. You'll be okay. Choose the good Choose to fight God's way, not the way of the world. Have a little bit of faith. You'll be able to extinguish all those fiery arrows that are coming at your head constantly, that are wanting to get inserted into your mind. Have a little bit of faith. And then you have the helmet of salvation. So faith and salvation go well together. Salvation, the helmet of salvation keeps the most precious part of your body safe why? Because you, you need to know that you are in God's grace. He will protect you. He has saved you. Don't doubt it. You know, your head is the most precious part of your body. I know when my, when my son participates in sparring competitions, it's one point to the chest, but two points to the head. It's always been like that, right, Paul? Two points to the head. Why? Because if you can score a kick to the head, that's more valuable. The head is more precious why is it that we put the helmet of salvation on? Because if there's one thing the enemy likes to do, it's cause us to doubt that God has got your back. It's to cause you to doubt whether you're saved or not. Put on the helmet of salvation. Don't doubt it. And then finally, we have the sword, which is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. And there's been some study done on this. I, I want to just kind of teach here a little. It's interesting. The Greek word for sword here is makaira. Makaira. It sounds like a, it sounds like a makaira. It sounds like a an anime movie or something. Makaira. Pick up the makaira. And the makaira was the shorter of two Roman swords. And when soldiers went into battle, they had a broadsword that they would use to attack. It was longer, it, was, it, was, it could hack through armor, it was, it was the offensive weapon. But that's not the word that's used here, it's the makaira, it says. And the makaira was a shorter defensive weapon. It was a sword that was used to protect yourself. And so, you've got this chest protector, the helmet, the, the shield, 
uh, a sword, a, a short sword, a protecting sword, all to say, all of these weapons, all of these armor pieces, what are they? They're defensive. They're defensive. And so it's almost like Paul's saying, get all suited up, suited up, so that you can do what? Stand firm. Stand firm. Well, no, no, hang on. I got to get out there. I got to fight. I got I to gotta give that person a piece of my mind. I got to tell that person why they're wrong. I got to get into it. It says, stand your ground. As Christians, we are not meant to go out on the offensive against the world and, and fight in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an aggressive sense. We're more here mandated. We're more to stand not just taking the hits, just turning the other cheek, but we're given armor so that at the end of the day you can keep your chin up, know that God's got your back. Extinguish the fiery arrows that are aimed at our head. In the end, stand firm. And that's the third way to fight a spiritual battle. Number one, fight right. Number two, make sure you fight the right enemy. And number three, fight by standing firm. Hold your ground. If you know you're doing the right thing, stand firm. If you know that you've chosen the good, you need not get all, you know, I've... Sometimes the most important thing that we need to do is just stand firm. We want to go and fix. Especially guys, men, we like to fix. But fight by standing firm. Fight by standing firm. We continue on with verse 18. And it says, With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. With all prayer and petition, pray. Pray at all times in the Spirit. Actually, God has given us a weapon. It's not the Makaira. It's not a sword. It's not a piercing weapon. It's prayer. So as much as this is defensive armor, the last piece of armor here is prayer. Even grammatically, verse 17 and 18 are not two sentences that are separate. They're not two separate paragraphs. In the Greek, verse 17 and 18 is one sentence. It's one sentence. It says, take the sword, and while you do that, praying, praying at all times in the Spirit. So there's a sense where there is something that you can do offensively. Pray. Pray. When I was in college, I, um, I remember undergoing a remarkable transformation in my life. The reason I stand before you today is because of what happened that day. Goodness, that was 1996, 1997. I remember uh, it was January. January 1997. And I remember it was early in the, very early in the month of January, I remember the circumstances, I remember what happened. That's how clear the change in my life was. And it was like night and day. Even my closest family members and friends were telling me that I had changed after that moment. And because of what happened then, I stand before you today as a Christian. 
And as I was going through this radical transformation in my own life, and, and I was getting hungry, and I was reading the Bible, and I was beginning to pray, and I was beginning to try to change my attitude, and I finally, you know, somebody finally told me. I, I wondered what happened. What, why was this happening to me? And I shared with this woman, and she told me that she had been praying for me. She had been praying for me for eight months. For eight months. How many of you have had somebody pray for you? You don't even know it, but they're fighting on their knees on your behalf. And they're persistent. They're not giving up. They're praying for you. And it's almost like there's a battle going on because I remember when she told me, I've, I was praying for you during that time when you changed. I prayed for you for eight months and it was agonizing. And I was like, oh, thank you so much. No, no, no. She said, no, it's because you were so stubborn. You were so difficult. Nothing got through to you. Nothing changed in your life. And when I prayed, I prayed angry. It was almost like she was saying. She wasn't like, oh, I love Wayne so much. I'm praying because God, touch him and help. No. Pray. I, I'm, change that stubborn fellow because he is so... He's, he's so, he, he's so st stubborn. There, there's this Korean word that, that I want to use, but it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't help. You were like yut. You, 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 I couldn't bend you. And I prayed you into transformation. Friends, do you know that you're being prayed for? Do you know that somebody is praying through your stubbornness? Do you know that you're, 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 you're going a certain way and you're doing it your own way, but there's somebody praying for you? God, help that person. God, this person will not change their path. They're stuck. Prayer is the sharpest weapon in your toolkit that you have. It is the most effective weapon. Prayer is the thing that can topple regimes Prayer is the thing that can change the course of history. Prayer is the thing that can transform your family. Prayer is the thing that can change that one stubborn individual. Prayer is the thing that will turn your situation completely around. I have a friend. I have a friend. He's from the UK. And as he was learning to fight right... And he realized that in order to fight right, he needed to make a career change. And this is a man who has a family, children, but there was such a conflict in his work. And at the same time, there was a work of transformation happening in his life. God was dr dramatically changing his life. And under conviction, he realized he had to quit his job. And I'm not recommending that for everybody. But in order to make the right choice and to choose the good, he quit his work. He quit his work. And he told me that it was the hardest thing he had to do. His father-in-law told him, if I knew that you were going to do this, I wouldn't have let you marry my daughter. And he took a lot of negativity and a lot of flaming darts. But he knew that he did the right thing. Actually, I do think he made the right choice. And as he sat in that suffering and in that negativity... With the helmet of salvation on, knowing that he had to believe, knowing that he made the right choice, knowing that he, was, that he was a child of God, as we sang earlier today, he prayed. He prayed. 
And as he prayed, every day looking for a new work, looking for opportunities, ultimately work came through. A new position opened up where he never expected. He completely didn't see that coming at all. And his faith grew tremendously when he was vindicated, even in front of his father-in-law. You see, guys, if you are stuck in a, between a rock and a hard place, you're stuck and you can't break through, prayer is really that last resort that should be your first resort. Prayer is the one thing that you know can change things. Do you have a conflict with somebody? Pray for that person. Do you have a situation that won't change? Commit yourself for 30 days to pray. Do you have a child that you're worried about? Pray for that child. Do you have a work situation that you can't seem to fix? Pray for it and let it go. The person who prays well sleeps well. Unless you're praying all night. The person who prays well sleeps well. Why? Because at the end, you've left it at God's doorstep. And you say it's your business. It's not mine. It's your job, not mine. It's your child, your family, your situation, not mine. The person who prays well sleeps well. Friends, the fourth way to pray, I'm sorry, that's the answer. The fourth way to fight is with prayer and meditation. And it's going to sound kind of preachy, but I'm preaching. You come to me and you say, Pastor, I'm so, this is so hard. Pastor, this is so difficult. Pastor, pray, 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 pray. I have a friend who is in therapy, and he's, a, he's an accountability partner to me. And he's really trying to get his life together. And he's doing everything right. And for him, he's, you know, it's, it's numerous areas that he needs accountability on. Narcotics, alcohol, uh, various other things. He's constantly struggling. He's got kinks in his armor, vulnerabilities. And he's doing everything. He's doing therapy. He's doing, you know, self-care. He's staying connected. But there's one thing that he lacks he doesn't really believe in God. He doesn't believe in God, and therefore he doesn't pray. And no matter how much therapy and self-care and all those things that you do, if there's nobody that you can leave your burdens on that doorstep, if there's nobody that you can pray to, if there's no meditation happening, you will not win the fight in the end. Prayer and meditation is the missing ingredient. Why do I constantly get kicked in the butt or why, am, why you know, am I getting these below-the-belt punches? It's because the missing ingredient is prayer and meditation. Friends, fight with prayer and meditation. I conclude now. In verse 18, I'm going to read all the way through. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. Be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. So in other words, do it a lot. Pray for everyone. Pray all the time. Bring all of your prayers. And finally, Paul says, and finally in verse 19, pray for me on my behalf 
that utterance may be given in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. In proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. But that you also may know about my circumstances, how I am doing. And we conclude here, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make everything known to you. And I talked about Tychicus at the beginning of the series. He is the messenger delivering this gospel, this letter to us today, in a sense. Tychicus is the deliverer. He's the messenger. I've sent Tychicus to you for this very purpose so that you may know about us and that he may comfort your hearts. Friends, I hope that you have been comforted through this Ephesians series. And finally, peace be to you, brethren, love with faith from God the Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus with an incorruptible love. As I've said before, I believe this letter was written to all of the churches across all of time. If it wasn't for Paul writing this letter to all of the churches across all of time, we would not have these encouraging words. We would not know how to fight a spiritual battle. We would not know what a multi-ethnic church looks like. You know, as we anticipate this move coming up in three months, I, for one, am convinced this will be one of the most integrative multi-ethnic experiences that we're going to have. I foresee that. I know the arrangement that we're going to talk about on December 3rd. It's going to be dramatically multi-ethnic. Friends, this multi-ethnic gospel that Paul presents to us, and today as he teaches us about standing firm with the full armor of God, this is his gospel. This is his gospel. The last way to fight Fight with the gospel. And what that means is fight knowing that the gospel is true, that it is burned in your hearts, and that we have confidence we can go forward knowing this. Fight with the gospel. In closing, I recap. What's the first way we fight? Anybody? Fight right. Don't fight the world the way the world fights. The world fights dirty. Don't fight the way the world fights. The the world fights dirty. Fight right. Secondly, how do you fight? Fight the right enemy. Make sure that you're not pointing, that person that cut me off is such a jerk. That person who did this. Listen, everyone in this world is sick. And I don't mean that in this really pejoratively. We have all been infected by sin. And the moment you recognize, oh, that person is sick, just as I'm sick, and just as I am getting better through the blood of Christ, that person, I hope that person will get better too. Don't fight that person. Fight the evil behind that person. Fight the, fight the evil behind the evil. Fight the right enemy. So how do we fight that spiritual evil? How do, we, how do we fight that spiritual battle? Number three, stand firm. Don't get sucked into it. Fight by standing firm. You know, if you play the game, if you play to someone else's game, you know, you, you know that you're already fighting the wrong way. Let them play to your game. 
As a Christian, you can let people fight on your level, not on their level. Number four, fight with prayer and meditation. If there's no getting through this situation, pray, meditate, pray it through, pray. And finally, how do we fight? Fight with the gospel. Know that you are a child of God. Know that you can fight because of this gospel that Paul teaches us. So if you can close your eyes. Friends, I really hope you can read the book of Ephesians. If you, need, if you want to find a good version of Ephesians, I will, I'll, I'll, I'll show you a good version. Hear this gospel that Paul teaches us. And as you go forth into the world tomorrow, into your lives, into your situations, into whatever it is that you're facing, I hope that you can extinguish those fiery darts I hope that you can stand firm. I hope that you can commit to a season of prayer. Pray. It'll be okay. You'll be just fine. God's got this. So at this time, I just want to give you a minute or so to actually practice that. We talked about praying. You got to do it. You got to find a place somehow, a time. But do it now. Just pray. Pray through your hurt. Pray through your situation. Practice using some of this armor that he's given to us now. At this time, God, I pray that you would teach us how to pray. Give us the words. God, help us, Lord, with whatever situations that we face. Help us to fight negativity. Show us any vulnerabilities that we have in our armor. Help us to suit up. Show us where we are actually very vulnerable. Help us to be different this year. As we approach a new year, not just 2018, but the Advent season, a new church year, 
we look back and we recognize that 2017, perhaps we took in a few fiery darts into our brains. In Jesus' name, we take those arrows out of self-pity, of bad self-esteem. We take out those fiery darts of discouragement, of fear, of lingering resentment that really, really harms our lives. We take those arrows now out. We examine, Lord, the weaknesses in our armor and where we're vulnerable. We ask that you would strengthen it, show us how we can do self-care, how we can actually, what, what, what counsel we need so that we can protect those weak spots and show us how to pray. All these things we pray together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This has been a Woven Church podcast. Woven Church is a multi-ethnic missional church that meets in West Houston. We invite you to check us out on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. To find out more, visit us online at www.wovenchurch.org. That's www.wovenchurch.org.